Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'm Ethan Richards. I'm Beckett Rice. And I'm CJ Bakel. And welcome back to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. And for today's episode, we're just going to talk general international rugby. Is that right, Ethan? Yeah, pretty much. That's the plan. Yeah, we we're are. Gonna, since we, we took a few weeks off, we're going to come back and finish up Six Nations. We're going to talk about some of the early qualifiers for World Cup and some of the big things that go along with it, really. That's kind of the plan here. That's about all we got planned. <laughs> yes, it's just what that's we're talking we need, about. Yeah. That's all we need. That's all we need. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so let's start with the, the wrap-up of the Six Nations. Yes, let's, let's do um, I'm a, I hope you don't mind if I get started here. I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah, because why? I, uh, because uh, you got the predictions correct. I did yeah. the predictions correct. The viewers don't know this because we had an issue with the recording. But I did say, I said to when we, I said to CJ and Gregor, it, it's March Madness. Anything can happen. Italy are beating Wales, and what do they do? They go and they beat Wales. Phenomenal. Okay, really happy about it. I mean, it wasn't on the record that you said that and you predicted it, but you, you have you witnesses. There. I will say that. Okay, wasn't on the record because we did have some technical difficulties with that recording. It's it was probably it. Maybe it was me sabotaging it. Who hey. knows? <laughs> Secret but, Wales uh, fan here. What's that? <laughs> Secret Wales fan here. Yeah, secretly love Wales. I mean. Out of, the, out of the three of us, I know Ethan would hate. No, he wouldn't be a secret Wales fan. I think Beckett, no, you'd be more of a secret it. Wales fan out of the three of us. Eh, there was a time where I liked him. I will say, because my mom's side of the family's Italian, I, I got to be real proud of this Italian victory. So I guess I have a little be, bit of Welsh. <laughs> this, this seems to be the game we want to talk about. Can, can we yeah. just like dump right into this one? Because Yes. Ugh. I, I yes. that that final try, my goodness. Seventy one kilograms of pure step. Pure <laughs> rugby ability. See, here's the thing. Most people that play rugby, they may be like ninety kilograms and fifty and like sixty of those kilograms are pure rugby skill. This man is seventy one kilograms. All seventy one kilograms are pure rugby <laughs> skill. Yeah, dude, watching that Capuozo try. Or not the try, the uh, assist, I guess. Watching him ta- basically cut, so he catches the ball in the middle of the field and cuts all the way out to the right-hand side of the wing and then just zooms past everybody and then, you know, easy uh, two-on-one, passes it inside. He just makes it look so easy. And he's, like you said, 71 kilograms. What, what is that converted to pounds? That's like 160-something pounds. 158. 158 158 pounds like are you kidding me i'm like i weigh i almost outweigh him you buy like 100 pounds and this man (laughs) is playing the highest level of rugby in one of the in one of the most prestigious tournaments in the world and he's killing it and he won he won him the game he won italy's game i was about to say the most important part about this italy has a win yes they hadn't won one since 2015. Bro, did, 
Did you see Garbisi after the conversion? He looked like he was oh. gonna cry on the field. Like he was, I, he was, he was bawling. I don't let's be blame him. I had to rewatch. I had to rewatch the highlights, but with the Italian commentary, there it was great. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't even think about that. That would be listening sick. to the commentator when um, after they had turned over the ball in that final line out right before the try, and then. They turned over the ball in the line out and Wales kicked it back and the announcer's like, oh, Capuoso. He sounds like very defeated and Capuoso gets the ball and he beats a couple of defenders and he's like, Capuoso, it's so good. Just like, he's just like screaming like, Padovati, what he scores. Oh, it's so good because it's like the duality of rugby. It's like, ah, we've lost. And then suddenly out of nowhere, look at this. It was amazing. He's won. Yeah. Oh, and and the fact that the cherry on top is just putting the ball down right between the posts. It's like at that point, like you've guaranteed it for yourself. And if you haven't, like he, the 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 deadest man in in Italian rugby would be their kicker in that moment. Like if they didn't win that game, I, I will <laughs> say, you know, everybody talks about that pass being so simple, but it's like it's such so smart because he's like. And so selfless, because he could easily he could easily could have scored in the really? corner, but it wouldn't have been enough for him to win. He made that extra pass and guaranteed the win effectively. Stuart yeah. Hogg, take note, pass the ball. Oh, true. <laughs> so true. Seriously. Oh, you got me with that one. I was. I'll take Yohani too, because he could yeah. pass to the try that Josh Adams stopped earlier. He could have passed it inside. Um, yeah. Which. Speaking of Josh Adams, class for giving Capuoso the. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that too. Segue to uh, Josh Adams. Ta- like, definitely tip your hat to him for giving Capuoso the man of the match. My, I would. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, out of all the March Madness that we have seen from basketball, all right, I don't care about no St. Peter's going to the Elite Eight. I only care about Italy winning their first match against Wales. Like that has gotta be the most March Madness, March Madness to happen. Absolutely. Of twenty twenty two. I think that's the sports uh, highlight. That's the 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 story of the year and to, or the story of the month. It has to be. N- nobody cares about no peacock. I think I watched I, I that love... try twenty times. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen I, it a billion I, times too. Movie. Yeah. I, I will say, CJ, I love how um as soon as you started referencing American basketball, you just went, you went elite eight and you threw on the thickest Southern accent you could. The elite eight. <laughs> you did. The sweet six time. St. Peter's. St. Peter's. I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. Dude, they won that game <laughs> on National Peacock Day. That's the incredible thing. Now that- hey. <laughs> Wait, Italy did? Uh, oh. St. Peter's did. <laughs> no, no, that's true. I will. I will say, <laughs> circling back to the man of the match talk, I think Capuoso was great, not just for his assist, but also um, him and Montiuani taking the ball out from their own try line and running it out um, and getting themselves a penalty. But my man of the match would have been the man who got them that penalty. Front rower Danilo Fischetti. He was everywhere that game. He was a nightmare for Wales. He himself had six turnover wins. That's ridiculous for like even Holy a flanker. Crap. And he was doing it as a loose head. Yeah. 
Holy like, crap. He was tearing it downfield to Juana and Michele Lamoro so he could get there when to, uh, Falatau picked up the ball and he threatened the ruck so Josh Adams, the only person there, had to bridge to steal it off and they got a penalty. I think he got them two penalties from all his turnovers. He was phenomenal all game and his scrummaging was excellent too. He was a rock um, on the left side of that scrum all game. Well, I want to push us forward a little bit. Let's talk about Ireland and how they ended their Six Nations. What, what did y'all think? I mean, it was a... Go yeah, I'm sorry, Becky. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I didn't watch uh, too much of the game, but from what I uh, you know, I thought it was not their best game, but still pretty good. They did what they needed to do. They put it, put Scotland away, and they put themselves in a position that, you know, if France messed up, they could potentially win it. Uh, obviously, France did not mess up. So, yeah, I thought they were very good. This, uh, the Six Nations, they only, they just really struggled. They did, couldn't put France to bed, but it felt like there was a, they were in that top tier with France. It was the two of them, and then it was everybody else. So it's a good position to put themselves in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My, my, um, my, my biggest question here is, did Ireland peak too early? I was going to say that. I think that this was actually a good, like, despite becoming or the getting second soon. place. Yeah, what? The year the too year soon peaking. Peaking for mm-hmm. Ireland? No, that's what I'm saying. I think this is a good result for Ireland because they're in the top tier of the Six Nations, which is always good, especially if you're above England, because you know England's going to be good come World Cup. But they didn't peak early. I feel like they didn't peak early, or they didn't peak a lot early, you know? And that's been mm-hmm. their problem as of the past couple World Cups is that they peak early. And then quarterfinals becomes a nightmare to them. So maybe that they're not peaking early and now they're seeing the uh, flaws in their entire team, especially against Scotland, because let's be honest, that game wasn't their best. And even against Italy at times, and definitely against France. But in those games, they, they found their flaws that they can start to work on and build and develop for the World Cup. So my biggest thing is, is like, as an, as an England fan, you could see Ireland's flaws when it was a close game, 14 versus 15 for like most of it. Yeah, that's also another example of it. So that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. They did enough to become second place but then yeah. they didn't do too much to the point where they're peaking early you get what i'm saying i yeah. see i see so you're saying that. that they're like still it's a on happy a nice medium happy time, and it's when they get to medium. um when they go into the southern hemisphere later this year they're gonna like continue to perform well and then really bring it into gear next year for what is most uh, hopefully most definitely johnny sexton's final world cup yeah yeah <laughs> I will say I will. it's um it's uh 
going to be very telling when they have to travel to New Zealand this uh, over later, I think in the summer, or is it in November, for these next tours. Um, they have to play a series. Depending on how they do against New Zealand is going to be very important. Even even if they only get one one win and they're close in the other games, I think that's very important because the thing is, we were talking about their quarterfinals. They uh, struggle there. They have to, because they're in Pool B, they're going to have to play either France or New Zealand in a World Cup fi- quarterfinal. Ooh, yeah. And Ouch, I didn't even think about that. That's rough. France, Ooh. I think, are the easy favorites right now on their form. Yeah. And New Zealand and, is New Zealand. Yeah, and, like, the, I think one of the benefits to where France is right now is, like, they're pretty young. Like, they don't have mm-hmm. anyone who, like, is like for sure aging out or like for sure like past their prime like that's like in a key position at least in my opinion i think everybody that they have that's in their key roles is like like either just now being very settled into it and starting to like find their peak strides or they're like like on that verge oh yeah i mean you look at dupont is what 25 and then Entomac is not that much older, or not much younger. He's like what twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, he's. Yeah, and then a lot of the core guys are like in their mid mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, the only guys over thirty is like Bryce Dillon, who hasn't really been is not their informed fullback. Uh, Talfa Fanua, who's like a backup lock, and then. Uh, Antonio, who's their starting prop. Everybody else is un- is like in their mid twenties. For you know, most of their players are in their mid twenties. Uh, only a few dudes thirty, like I said, Antonio, and they still have a lot of players that are out right now who should be coming back. Like Olivon, when he was healthy, was their captain. Looked phenomenal, world class flanker. Yeah. Um, I think Bernard LaRue's hurt, and he'd probably come back into the squad at lock alongside Willemsa. Maybe uh, probably on the bench, actually, because of how good Wilkie's been. But, you know, they have a lot of talent that's not available to them right now. So it just shows how much depth they have. It's ridiculous. For sure. Yeah, I I look at France, and I, like, I, 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 I could see them... Doing what they did, uh, what was it, 2011, and when they went to the finals, and it was like a really, like, tight, intense, fun, enjoyable World Cup finals. Yeah, is, they, they win this time. Keep... Oh, ooh, <laughs> spicy! No, I, I, I just, as long as the roster can stay healthy, that's yeah. like contingency. But you're right; like they are. Young and feisty and ready to rumble. I think most mm-hmm. importantly, DuPont needs to stay healthy. True. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, though, I don't even think he was their best player this tournament. Yeah, he won, you know, player of the tournament, but... I, I think he was. I thought I, Aldrich, yeah. Aldrich should have won player of the tournament. Like, DuPont, by his standards, had a quiet but good tournament. Aldrich was just everywhere, though. He was... The inform back rower of the tournament. He I was think that's crazy that ridiculous. that this tournament, Dupont still had an excellent tournament, and that's a quiet tournament. That's what you're calling yeah, a right. quiet performance. Well, that's how good he is. Okay, most people, mo- I, I don't know. 
this seems to be a fairly large consensus that DuPont probably should have finished second behind Aldrit, but because it's DuPont, even though he still had a good, very good, a good. You think the name carried more? The yeah, I think That's the name fair. carried a That's little. Fair. But I, but I'm not saying he was undeserving. I'm just saying there was someone more deserving. Gotcha. Well, I'm gonna push this conversation forward just a little bit, okay. uh, and. Let's talk about England. Just yeah, I was gonna. How about you talk nice about trash. England? Crash. They need to fire everybody. They need to get rid of all the no. players. Eddie you know, Jones is the worst. Yeah. No. To, okay. You know, as so, well, just demolish the Premiership while we're at it. Oh gosh! Wow. <laughs> LCD lost really them feel. the tournament. Yeah. Just need no, to, they need he to go didn't. Get the but he definitely lost them the game. Them up. Um. Uh, so when I look at England. Plenty of things to fix. Plenty of things to fix, yes. Yeah, I'd say so. But at the end of the day, this was definitely a very, very different year for England's rosters Mm -hmm. than our previous two. And we need to just let Marcus Smith be unleashed. I I agree. (laughs) Let him do what he wants. I think... Having Owen Farrell back is big because he has all the experience that Marcus Smith doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that guy that's like Marcus Smith loves to run. And you could see sometimes teams would like show him a little bit of space to get him to take the bait to run. Yeah. It's better for them if they can just make tackle him that he's not up. But having Owen Farrell, then if Owen, if Marcus Smith gets tackled. Owen Farrell's still there, and if, you know, I think Owen Farrell currently has a yeah. better rugby mind than Marcus Smith. That's oh, why Marcus Smith see, doesn't have a good mind. Yeah, I would love to see Marcus Smith at ten and Owen Farrell at twelve. That would be mm-hmm. a spicy duo. It would it would be way better than what I what like we've had with mm-hmm. Ford Farrell in the last yeah. however many years. Like I I could see the like that going forward as being just like yeah. vicious forward but, but with some dynamism yeah i think my my thing is with marcus smith though is that like like even in our game plans and our structures and whatnot like he's not as unleashed as he is when you see him play for harlequins and it's not necessarily because like a different level of play uh like yes that makes a difference obviously but what i'm saying is like you can clearly see that, like, he's making choices based off of how the structure is fundamentally built that are are, are not as beneficial to him as a player. So like, are you yeah, saying that he has... So he's... Or, but he's yeah, I was going to say, like, he's built... Or so Harley Quinns are built around him, and maybe you're saying that England is restraining him a little bit? Is that what you're saying? Like, and it, for the Harley oh, Quinns, he's just free! You know, he's free as... Free as a bird. Free as Costco samples. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. You're in a free sample at Costco? (laughs) (laughs) But um, no. Yeah. (laughs) Literally dog water. I think think it's like, I think it's more just a a, a trust thing. Because, like, obviously he's, he's now played. Like he still is less than ten caps, you know, for England. So it's, it's crazy. like crazy. Yeah. 
like it's he's it's not like he is this experience where you can say like Marcus Smith, do what you want, and we trust you. Like no, yeah. not with not with a coach like Eddie Jones, not with a, a a program like England's. Like it's just that's not how the the organization has been structured for the last couple of years. Like we've had a system, and and people like Owen Farrell who know how to play the controlled reserve when they need to. And and will and and follow that system fit in so well to it. I will. I, I want to say this real quick. Little little side note, but this is something very interesting. I found out the other day. Both Marcus Smith and Ange Capuozo are half Filipino. So imagine what that Filipino team would have been like if they could have gotten the two of them. Wow! <laughs> oh, crazy! That'd been nuts. Yeah. Anyway, could have been um, crazy. But yeah, no, I think said, England will peak next year. It'll be okay. We'll be fine. I think t- yeah. peak next <laughs> year, but do you think it'll be at the right time or at the wrong time? It'll be at the right time for sure. I think um Or or it'll be much, the semifinals once again. <laughs> I think this is very much a like transition year for them. I think oh, you know, they got it's not we've talked about it a lot lately. I think cohesion, how important that is have a lot of guys who played a lot of games together not just big names great players right. but like so they don't have that saracen's core anymore so they're transitioning yeah. so i think eddie jones you know this game this tournament they didn't seem to be tactically as acute as like the rest of the teams they seem to be more playing off of like individual greatness but mm-hmm. i think that's going to step up they just need the game time and they didn't have it so he's slowly implementing new stuff and um you know i think we're going to see it come through more next uh six nations i think the other thing was it's fine like, france will still win anyway but anyway we we yeah. played a ton of people i at least it felt like it it felt like england put on a lot of players and i don't have any numbers to back that up but i feel like we had a lot of people rotating onto the field and and our biggest problem, to, I still think, is our, our centers. We we just don't like we don't have a core centers, and part of that's because we were missing Farrell and uh, was it Tuolagi? Yeah, you're bringing uh, on Tuolagi from injury yeah. a lot too early every time. Yeah, well, I think yeah. the issue so is like, they. I hate to say it because I love modern Tuolagi, but England really need. To look for a future without him, Farrell, you know he doesn't get injured that much. This was just you know a little bit of a unique thing. Out of a fluke. This much time. Yeah. yeah, but to Alagi, it's just so sad. He's just getting older. It's just going to get worse. They really just need. They struggle to find someone to replace him. I feel like, you know, Farrell. They don't have to worry about it as much, and he's a little bit simpler to replace in a lot of his capacities. Not all of them. But to a loggy, they just can't replace it. Apparently, seems like just crazy to me because they have so so. You know, they have the most I think play registered players in the world, except for South Africa. You'd think that they could find someone to crash the ball up and break a couple tackles. A large human who could crash the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, Maybe I, not yeah. as good as Manu because who can do it as good as Manu, but still. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like hopefully we'll have figured out 
by next year. I I assume we will because like that's a long ways away, and some somebody's gonna show up. And sometimes Eddie Eddie Jones just kind of pulls somebody that everybody's like, "What?" And then it ends up working out really really well. So you guys uh, on that. you guys want to feel old? Sure. So this will be Owen Farrell and Manitoulangi's third World Cup. You say that as if Manu's not going to be hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Dang. You know, I have, I, that's, that's a ways away. He, he could easily not be hurt at that point. Yeah, easily. Just easily could be hurt. We'd never know it with him. <laughs> fair, fair. I, yeah, I, I just, yeah. It is what it is. I think I think England will do much better next year. England usually, other than you know when they were hosting the World Cup, uh, does better on World Cup years, just across the board. So and I agree. Unless we're hosting it, apparently, where England can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ignore that. Stop. That's the outlier. <laughs> yeah, England should just stop bidding for the World Cup. I think that's the that's the issue. <laughs> just don't bid for it anymore. Totally, totally. Take it back you know, to Japan. Yeah. Let it go to Ireland. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, well, hopefully to the U.S. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that would be sweet. So let, let's yeah. talk about the World Cup stuff a little bit because we got some big news. That just some segue out. right there. Next Thanks. year's World Cup. Pretty sweet, wasn't it? It was real smooth until you brought it up. <laughs> I had to point it. I had to, I had to give you props yeah. for it, dude. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Would have been way smoother without the props, and then we could have bragged about it off air. And we'd been like, "Ha, yeah. check that out." <laughs> speaking speaking of props, Spain oh. and air oh. props. Oh, even better segue. Even. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. No, but but for real. Spain. The Spanish, aka South African prop. Hey, actually, it, <laughs> it, it's it's not prop in Spanish. It's Pilar. Pilar, yes. actually, Pilar. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but, but in English, it's prop. So yes. Oh, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> the prop in question, of course, being Gavin Vandenberg. Uh, Vandenberg, very Spanish name. Very Spanish, yeah. Hey, very from Spanish. Madrid, the rugby heartland. Um. <laughs> Oh, so the what world rugby? Excuse me, world rugby recently announced that they're investigating Spain um, on the complaints of Romania, the Romanian Federation, after uh, Vandenberg made his debut against them in a uh, World Cup qualifying match. Uh, very reminiscent of in 2018 when Spain and also Romania and Belgium. Fielded several ineligible players in World Cup qualifying that allowed the team that finished fifth that year, Russia, to get into the World Cup. And at yeah. least Romania and Belgium have learned their lesson. It appears they're not guilty yet. Innocent until proven guilty, but it appears maybe Spain has not learned. Okay. Which would be very, very, very sad. Because, very sad. like, Spain's one of those teams that, like, like twice have qualified and possibly twice with ineligible players. It's like, come on, yes. you have so many players that play in France or, or, or like showing success and you mm -hmm. are 
punishing them because as an organization you choose to do things that are yeah. against the so, so apparently the, the issue yes apparently like the issue is like the player in question Vandenberg um went to South Africa back, back to South Africa for 3 months and you only allowed 2 months during your residency to be out of the country so so first of all was that 3 months during covid it was so like that's why yes i think i believe yeah, yeah. during covid so i think that's why well the investigation only just started so that might be some special case but we have to see okay that's that was what i was curious about yeah um yeah i i really hope that they they come to look at the ruling and say that due to covid like this policy was adjusted mm-hmm. I would just like to say, okay, first of all, now, now, now first of all, we're no longer <laughs> calling him Gavin, okay? Because he's Spanish. Oh. It's Gavin. Okay? It's Gavin. <laughs> yeah. Second of <laughs> yes, all, he's Spanish. the accusation against Gavin came from the, apparently, the, or allegedly, I'm going to say allegedly, came from the Portuguese Rugby Federation. Because Gavin played in oh. two matches against the Netherlands, correct? Where he played against uh, yes. the Netherlands. So if they were so they won found... won 43 nothing. <laughs> so they really need yes. him? Yeah, they absolutely need him. But here's the crazy yeah. part, is that if he, they were found guilty of all this, Spain would be stripped of all 10 points for their victories over the Netherlands. And this yeah. would mean, again, you said Romania would, get their tic- uh, would punch their ticket to France, while Portugal, Portugal would, would have a final yeah, chance. So... Man, I think whoever, whoever Port- I think Portugal has Portugal has somebody on the inside, bro. Por- Portugal has somebody on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Man, what a vicious neighbor. Gavin throats like that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Gavin's throat. If, if they if they if they were fielding an ineligible player, it's all their fault. Especially the second time. Like Yeah. The second time once shame on yeah, second time in two World Cups. Come on, they haven't been to a World Cup now in twenty-four years, and they were about to end the drought, and and they would have no. had two games in southern France, and then the rugby heartland of Spain is northern Spain, which is only so they only had they would have had huge turnouts for those games. Absolutely massive. It would have been awesome. So. Yeah, which. To to kind of further expand on teams that have qualified now, because I, I, I we've got uh, uh, Georgia correct as the other Europe yes, seed. I can. Would you like me to? Uh, I have it pulled up actually. Would you like me to read sure. out the? Um, Go for it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Take yes, it. sir. Let's hear it. in group order too. Yes, I'm, that's what I was going to do. So in Pool A, we have New Zealand, the host France. Oof. Italy, Oof. Uruguay, Oof. and we are still waiting on Africa one to uh, qualify. Which, if history serves uh, serves us serves anything, it's probably going to be Namibia. Oof! In that's the group pool. of death right there. I'm already calling it. Yes, it very much so. And then in Pool B, we have South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Spain, who might not be there anymore. We'll see. And then Asia Pacific one, which I think is almost certainly going to be Tonga. Good luck Hong Kong to beat them. Um, 
And then Pool C, we have Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia. And the final rep charge winner, um, who most likely will be either the either one of the European teams that have to go there. And then finally, we have Pool D, which is England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, and America's two, which, fingers crossed, we beat Chile and it's the United States. So I'm going to say Group C sounds kind of soft. Yes, I agree with that. I think... I'm going to call it now. Australia will finish first in that pool, and Fiji will beat Wales to go to a quarterfinal for the first time. This is the way too early predictions, man. I was thinking that would be Wales-Fiji. I honestly think Australia is not going to make it. Nah. If Quade Cooper's back, let's... The quarterfinals in 07. Where they beat Wales to go to the quarterfinals. I think it's going to be Fiji-Wales. I... I don't. I think Australia is better than Wales. Why did? Why does it oh. seem I like we always watch Wales play Australia? Yeah, it does like, happen. Quite is, a it lot, just, is it just me? This. So this. I think this is the fourth cup World Cup in the row, in a row where like Wales, Australia, Fiji, and like Georgia have all been in the same pool. Oh my god! Also, what is this? Italy and New Zealand have played in all but. Two, I believe, of the World Cups. They've been put in the same pool almost every single time, New Zealand and Italy. So, Oof. I see all the time. However, the Italy improved <laughs> a lot last time with Bro. getting a nil-nil draw against New Zealand, so I think based on that, they're going to win this time. That's their best result that they're going to get, <laughs> thanks to a, a storm. Improvement, man. Improvement. I think they lost the last one by like 40, and then they drew 0-0. But then so they're going to digress. Win. There's going to be no progress there. I, I'm going to guarantee you that one. They peaked, I guess. They peaked too early in Japan. Yeah, four years ago. <laughs> and they peaked too early against Wales, too. <laughs> uh, I think they'll beat Wales again next year. Uh, Wales right now, just they need to figure a lot of stuff out. They do, they do. I just, part of me would find it funny to see Australia not make it out of stage understandable but i just think australia is just a much better team than wales they also just have michael hooper who i will never put down it's michael hooper and for the little guys you you're like michael hooper's number one fan when it comes to this stuff like the no bias yeah because all that crap is like (laughs) maybe like another 510 like 205 pound flanker that is just absolutely world class I can give you somebody who's 71 kilograms is world-class. Anjkapuozo, I also love him. Another one for the little guys. <laughs> so, um, we've got... Let's talk about the Americas a little bit. Oh, boy. I want to I talk about USA versus Chile. If we lose to Chile, and we don't go to the World Cup, they should not get what to does... look up at that point. Ooh, wow, spicy. I, I kind of like that take, but... Well, say that one uh, more time? They should not get to the World Cup at that point. Oh, yeah, that's a spicy take. Ooh. I mean, I kind of agree with it. Like, why, yeah. why give the World Cup to a team that can't qualify? Yeah. <laughs> why give it to a crap team? My biggest thing, though, is like... What does that mean for USA Rugby? Dude, I was gonna. I'm thinking the same thing over here. If we fail to qualify 
for this year. Does this mean that the MLR was just kind of a failed exper- uh, experiment? I don't think so. I think I, I was I was about to say that's too far for me. I don't. Think but like the issue it, is cohesion. You don't have the cohesion that Uruguay and Chile have, where their players get together a month before they play their games, so they get a month of training. We get like a week, maybe a week and a half to get together to uh, to practice, and we go into the game, and we are not nearly as a cohesive team as Uruguay was when we played them. Uruguay, yeah, Gary needs to be listening to this. More united team. I, I, my point that I would like to make on top of that is if we don't qualify for the World Cup, we need to be questioning the leadership of USA Rugby as an organization. I agree with that as well. Just be like, Gary, where are you? Gary, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Gold. Scott Lawrence recently got put in as defensive coach, and uh, he might be taking over after this next World Cup. Maybe. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. But it, it's... I think it's. I think it would be more than just like field leadership, like at that point. Oh, because yeah. like well, yeah, 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 more than field leadership. Because clearly, yeah, clearly, like we have a great set of growing talent to feed into our mm-hmm. international side through what the MLR has built. Like, like just look, go back and watch a couple games from the first season of MLR and <laughs> watch some of the games. I watch them now. Like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the game has grown a lot at that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so it's like I I think it's worth. Yeah, I think it's worth um, taking a look and saying like, "Hey, like if if we can't if we can't qualify for this World Cup, one, why why should why should we be bidding for it?" Two, like, what does that mean for how our organization is led? I mean, when you think about it, if we don't qualify from twenty at, at the twenty twenty three World Cup marker, we would have gone through in the last five years bankruptcy, reconstruction, failure to qualify, and a decline in our sevens performance. Yeah. See, so the thing is, though, we're playing M in. July. I believe World Rugby is going to announce their decision on the next couple of World Cups in May. And according to World Rugby, we're effectively the only team they're talking to for 2031 and then the 2033 Women's World Cup. And then Australia's basically got in the bag to get the 2027 World Cup, which I think is also very important for them because Rugby Union's been on decline in Australia too. So getting yeah. Lions Store in 25, the World Cup in 27, and the Women's World Cup in 29, I think will be huge for them. Yeah. It's a huge five years that if they don't, uh, you know, really bank on the money coming in from them, their union is not Dude, that's, yeah, that's huge. I just, yeah. what you just said that, oh my God. Yeah. That's like a huge influx of just rugby within a short period of time, especially having like the Lions... Like, I remember when the Lions were playing in Australia, yeah. how much of a big deal that was exactly. the last time around. Let's say it would be back-to-back-to-back to back to back with Lions World Cup, Women's World Cup. Yeah. Three they could see. Like, and, like, the women's, their women's team is really good, too. Yeah. And, you know, they've been seeing, like, a decline in the popularity of Union 
in, you know, in place of like Aussie rules and rugby league. So they, so I think these three huge things would be big time for them regaining fans, regaining some money because they've had a little bit of financial issues. I could, you know, if they play it right and their administration, uh, you know, takes advantage of it, they can really get back up there. Yeah, really hammer it home with the. I think like with that one, it's like the Lions tour would be an excellent way to just build the momentum into the World Cups, right? Yeah, that would be sick. That'd be a good way That's, to do it. Yeah, I think these next couple of World Cups are actually very important for rugby as a whole. Because 2023, I just got a feeling it's going to be a, a phenomenal World Cup. And it's going to like help galvanize, I think, rugby support in Europe. Um, and then 2027 will, you know, hopefully help regalvanize the popularity of the game in Australia and bring Australia back up to where they are, where they were. Because I think World Rugby is better when they're good. And then 2031, hopefully we get a lot of popularity hopefully it wake- in America. Yeah, let's hope that it wakes that sleeping giant, you know? Yeah. So like these- now, was it Sir Graham Henry who said that? It's like when uh, America figures out rugby, it's like a they'll be a sleeping or they're currently a sleeping giant. Whenever they figure out rugby, it's going to be a totally different game. Yeah. I, so, yeah. Yeah. These are going to be important just for the growth of rugby in general, because if rugby becomes like a fairly big thing in the United States, United States, when it, just because of, you know, how like it is um, with its influence that will help influence like other countries to maybe pick it, pick up rugby a little bit more. Possibly. Well, so I am going to wrap us up here. Uh, we've been going for a while and we've covered a lot of good. Yeah. On that bombshell. Yeah. So, um, I'd love to see rugby grow in the U S and I, I hope we qualify and I hope we are worthy of, of hosting in 20, uh, 2031. So CJ, Picks out. Uh, okay, MLR this weekend. Start off Utah Warriors San Diego Legion on the first, and then on that'll be on Friday, 10 p.m. Geez, that's a late game for us Eastern on the Rugby Network as well as Utah Radio ESPN 700 AM. Dude, they've got a lot of stuff going on with that game. Mm-hmm. A lot of ways to watch it. And then April second is Toronto Arrows uh, Rugby ATL which is now a rivalry game. I think that is a rivalry game. Because of the, uh, how they were in Atlanta last year? Yeah. So I think it's like, they called it like the Fire and Ice Cup or something like that. That's kind of sick. It was something like that. I thought it was, I thought it was a great name. Yeah. And then after that is the New England Free Jacks, who are just tearing it up right now, oh. are playing NOLA Gold on Saturday. That one's going to be on NBC as well as the Rugby Network. I might have to rescind And then Rooney is going to be playing Old Glory DC, who just parted ways with their head coach. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there on Sunday. And that'll also be on the Rugby Network. And then finally, to wrap up on the Western side of things, we have LA Giltini's Dallas Jackals, and then Austin Gilgroni's Houston in the Battle for the Texas Cup. And the crazy thing about that game, too, is in the Austin-Houston game. That'll be on Fox Sports 2 at 7 p.m. on Sunday night. Primetime Sunday night game. Pretty sweet. A lot of rugby. Yeah. So, 
What should people be doing? I don't know, Ethan. You want to you want to call us out for this one? You want me to call us out for this one? Yeah, don't screw this up. Let's see how it goes. Don't screw it up. Oh gosh, that's a lot of pressure. Go watch some rugby. <laughs>